We're continuing our new series called Missing Peace. Last week, we started a brand new series called Missing Peace, and we talked about how peace is in universal demand. I mean, we all want peace, whether you're a Christian or you're a non-Christian. I mean, peace is something we all want. I mean, if we, if we could bottle up peace and sell it, I mean, we would sell out because everybody wants peace. But the thing is, is that the world's idea of peace, it's so frail. It's really circumstantial. It's about things going well. But what we talked about last week is for a lot of us, even when things aren't going or are going well, we still are not doing well because we just think about, oh, well, then something's going to happen like any moment now. At any time, something's going to go wrong. And so we talked about how peace can only be found in God. Peace is, peace is only from God. The true peace can only come from him. And so we have to turn to God because God helps us to know what is true. And there's all kinds of untruths that are running through our mind, untruths and things that haven't even happened yet, lies that are in our head. And that battle for peace, the war for peace, that war for peace, it begins in your mind. And so we talked about, we turned to uh, where peace comes from, and we talked about peace comes from God. I mean, actually, when the angels, you know, announced the, the birth of Jesus, that's what they said. They said, peace has come to the world, and Jesus, all throughout his ministry, said, peace be with you, go in peace. And so we turned to the prophet Isaiah, who prophesied about Jesus, and he talked about Jesus bringing peace, but we have to remember what he said. He said, you will keep in perfect peace. Those who what? Those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in God. Those who have their minds fixed on God, those are the ones who will be able to decipher what is true and what is untrue. And they do this, why? Because they trust in God. So for you and I, when, we're, when we want peace, internal peace with ourselves, we have to know that God is the only source for peace. And we have to fix our minds on God to really have that peace that we're looking for. So... I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about, you know, around this Christmas time, it's not just internal peace that we're looking for. It's also external peace, right? It's, it's peace with other people, peace with family, peace with friends, peace with coworkers and neighbors, peace with spouses or ex-spouses and kids. We all want peace, right? We're looking for that peace. And the thing is, is that that peace, that peace can be Really, really hard to find during this time, right? I mean, when you think about peace and, and, and how we find it, I mean, you know, during this time, and we've just had this, this two years of COVID. I, it's almost like I look at these past two years like it's one year, right? But we've looked at these, these last two years. I mean, experts say we have no idea, no idea about, you know, how, how, how the, the, the effects of COVID and the pandemic and all this stuff, how much it's going to affect us emotionally or physically. Uh, it's going to take decades to really figure it all out. But we also know that, that on top of that, even though all of these changes that have happened around us have, have really affected our peace and our, our mental health and our emotional health, we also know, too, that just during the holidays, there's, there's a lot of built-up tension, right? 
And so with the holidays and built-up family tension and relational tension topped on top of, of everything that's happening in the world, it's, just, it's almost like a, cow, you know, just like a bomb ready to go off, right, like a powder keg. And so, you know, I remember, you know, whenever, uh, whenever growing up or just kind of traditionally, we'd always talk about, you know, what, to, what not to talk about at the holidays, right? I mean, we used to say, don't talk about religion and politics, right? Don't talk about religion and politics. You know, you used to tell your dad, dad, look, man. Please don't talk about the election, you know, at the dead. Please, Dad, just don't bring it up, right? No, take off your MAGA shirt and put on a real shirt, okay? Just come on, you know? Or, you know, don't bring up, don't bring up religion, right? Because there's always that one family member, right? You know, and, and you're like, oh, my goodness, you know? Like, just don't bring up religion. Just don't, you know, some, nobody turn to each other at the dinner table and be like, so if you die tonight, where would you go? I'm, I'm worried about you, Uncle Ben, right? I mean, we don't do that. But I've learned that this year, there's a, there's a new one. We've made a trinity of things not to talk about, all right? It's religion, politics, and science. Yes, don't talk about science. Because I don't know if you know this or not, you've all become scientists, apparently, all right? Everybody has done so much potty research from the toilet on their smartphone You've read three blogs, and you know. You know exactly, right? You know. You, you've, you've done the science. You've held, you've held countless studies that have been peer-reviewed by other people. And you're credible, right? And your sources are credible. So we also we can't talk about science anymore either, right? And so there's all of this stuff. There is our own emotional and physical and mental health right now that's kind of up for grabs in, in, in a tight spot. And then there's all of this tension in our relationships. And some of us, too, we haven't seen some of this family. There's family I haven't seen in over two years because of all of these changes that have happened. So, I mean, there's been a long time since we've seen each other. It's been, there's been some time that we've had a part where we haven't had to relationally quip one another. And so there's all of this tension. And I was reading, there was an expert that said this. He said, this is the age, because of all of this stuff, this is the age of perpetual offense. Right? This is the age of perpetual offense. It's just everywhere. There, there's, just, there's, just, there's just all these opportunities to be offended and to very easily offend somebody else. And it's quite dangerous, right? Because, I mean, even just having Thanksgiving, I had some, 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 some pre-things happen that I thought, oh, Christmas is going to be fun, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, just think about it. I mean, you know those instances, those opportunities where, you know, you th- maybe Thanksgiving or Christmas, you, you just had that great meal. You had that terrific meal, and everything is fine. You had your dessert, and you're sitting there, and, and, and you're just, you know, you're, you're watching TV. It's just you're in that almost pre, pre-nap coma, you know, from whatever food you ate. And then something comes up on the news, and somebody, you know, looks at the TV and goes, you know, none of this would have happened if Trump was still president. And then somebody goes, what are you talking? This is the fallout from when Trump was president. And they go, oh, and here we go, right? Man, boom, boom, right? Or you're looking forward, you're looking forward to getting together with, with family and friends and seeing everybody and, and spending time with one another. And then all of a sudden, ding, on your phone, oh, there's an email from mom. There's an email from mom and dad. Oh, I wonder what this says. And you, you open it up and it says, to whom it may concern, right? And I don't know if you know this. Mom writes emails with a parchment pen. Anyway, um, to whom it may concern, 
Due to Grandma Karen's poor health, we are asking all who are unvaccinated to please wear a mask to Christmas this year and to remain six feet apart. We will be doing under-the-tongue temperature checks in the garage before you retire. And you're like, oh, right? I mean, it just comes. Or let me tell you how my Thanksgiving went. My Thanksgiving, um, we ate late, and um, we ate later than usual, if you saw my Insta stories. And um, I was okay, and everything was good, and we ate, and everything was okay, everything was good. There were no deviled eggs, which was a problem, but that's okay. I was at my in-laws. I can't expect everyone to be perfect. And everything was good. Everything was good. And we're sitting there, and then, you know, Grandma Winter says, so, Michael, how did your last sermon series go on gender equality, you know? And uh, you know those people who uh, they talk out loud, but they talk into a mug, like somehow in the mug, this will muffle me, you know? And so, you know, somebody just said, oh, I wasn't aware there was a problem with that. You know, and I'm like, whoa, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. So anyway, um, my Thanksgiving ended out fun too, all right? So there's all these opportunities for just this tension to happen, right? When we get together with family and friends, my wife is in the room too, right? Okay, yep, I see you, babe. Uh, all these opportunities for there to be this moments where we're offended or we offend other people. And the thing is, is that culture has taught all of you. You've all learned this. Culture has taught you this. If bearing with people is a burden, bury them. Really, seriously. If bearing with people is a burden, bury them. Cancel them. Walk away from them. Be done with them. But here's the problem with that. and Our culture has to learn this at some point, and it's something you already know in your mind, is that, is that there are people that you have to bear with, people that you can't get away from. And the thing is, is if you're on a search to be offended, you will always find what you were looking for. You will always find what you're looking for. If that is your goal, if you're looking for a fight, look no further. I mean, bring up the last election. Bring up all of these different social justice issues that we have, who we have brought to light and had to deal with and had to have difficult conversations about these last four years. I mean, bring up the pandemic. Bring up COVID. Bring up vaccinations. I mean, you will easily be offended. You will always find a way to be offended if that is what you're looking for. But the thing is, is that, and you know this, again, no one, no one has ever enhanced the quality of their life from being ticked off, right? Nobody has ever enhanced the quality of their life being ticked off. There's been nobody that you've ever walked up to and said, hey, man, how are you doing? And they go, oh, man, it's so good. Oh, dude, I am just, I got, I'm in a fight with so many people right now. Like, I have just been posting some things on social media right now that have just riled some people up, and I'm making so many new friends. It's just, it's going great, you know? It's just going great. And you know what? I mean, I, I've been walking into work, and I've just been finding things to be ticked off about, you know? I mean, they did, they were asking me to do all these things, you know, and all this new stuff to be inclusive and everything, and I'm just telling them how angry I am about it, and just that I'm offended by everything that they do, and uh, it's going super well for me. I think I'm about to get up the ladder a little bit. I could, I could see, I could see my next review is going to go, very nice, right? Uh, no, no one. No one, no one has ever said that. I mean, 
being ticked off, living offended. It's never gone well for anything. And here's the thing I want you to hear, okay? Being offended is inevitable. Living offended is a choice. Yeah, write it down, right? This is a good one, all right? Post this one on social media, all right? Being offended, that's going to happen, all right? I mean, the tension is too high to not, for it not to happen. But living offended, staying offended, that's a choice. Not going and spending Christmas with your family, that's a choice. Unfriending, unfollowing somebody, that's a choice. Blocking people out of your life, that's a choice. Quitting your job, going off on somebody, that's a choice. That's a choice that you've made. And living that way has never been good for you. It's never been good for anybody. It's never enhanced the quality of life for anybody. And so we're going to look at what we should do, what we ought to do. And if you're not a Christian, this is, this is an alternative. This is an option. If, if being ticked off and offended and, and, and getting everybody stirred up all the time, if it's worked for you, I know it hasn't, then keep living your life. But you know it hasn't. So, so here's an alternative. Here's an alternative. Because the culture says, live offended, go off on everybody, and if it, bearing with anybody is a burden, bury them. But that's never gone well. And let's be honest, there are people in your life who you should never bury. There are neighbors that you are never going to get away from, and you need to have a good relationship with them. There are family members that are always going to be family, and so you need to learn to bear with them. There are people in your church, okay? If we're going to ever be a church, if we're going to be a church that's united and effective for the kingdom, guess what? The thing that the devil loves to do more than anything else is ununify churches. The devil's biggest offense against churches is to get us to be offended at one another, turn on one another over petty small things that don't matter, and cause friction and tension between us. The devil would like nothing more than to end all the work that we're doing in our community, the stuff we're doing this week, and hurt that by tearing us apart, by tearing us against one another. Okay, So we can't let that happen. So this is a different option. This is a better option. And to find this, we're going to look at Paul, and this is the thing about Paul. Paul wrote this letter uh, to the church in Rome, and if you don't know anything about Rome during this time, Rome was the epicenter of everything that was going on in culture, in life, and in politics. And at this time, when, when Paul writes this letter, this is about 40 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, um, he, he writes this letter, and at this time, I mean, Romans and Christians are not getting along. Romans are very offended by Christians. Christians are very offended by Rome. Okay, so again, that tension is living there. Okay, there's all kinds of things going on, you know, between genders, between Gentiles and Jews and, and, and everything. So there's, there's tons of tension. Some of that same tension that's here today, it was right there then. And it's interesting what Paul says to Christians, what he recommends that Christians do. And this is what he says. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Now, when, when he talks about blessing, that, that Greek word bless, this is what it means. That word bless means to speak well of, to wish the bl best blessing for somebody else. He says those who persecute you, those who nag you, those who bother you, those who are after you, those who, oh, they just make, you, you roll your eyes at them, right? What do we do with those people? Well, the Christians at that time wanted to fight them. The Christians at that time wanted to take them out. And Paul says... I want you to speak well of. I want you to wish them the best. 
And that second blessing in that verse that he talks about, it's an action statement. And it's not just a one-time action statement, it's a life-living statement. And so what he's really saying in this verse is this. He's saying, be a continual blessing to those who are a continual problem. Think about that for a minute. Be a continual blessing to those who are a continual problem. You know, it's really interesting. It is so easy to be a blessing to somebody who you like, right? To be a blessing to somebody who agrees with you, who has the same politics as you, same religion as you, the same science as you. It's so easy to be a blessing to them because you want to be a blessing to them because they're on your team. They're wearing your jersey. So it's easy to be a blessing to them. But oh, that person, oh, that person who wrongs you, oh, that person who offends you, oh, that person who has different science than you, different politi- politics than you, uh, different, different religion than you, oh, that guy, right? And the thing is, is we can let it go once, right? We're, we're okay with one time, and we give ourselves a pat on the back. Good job. You made it through the holidays. Oh, you held your tongue so good, honey. I know I did. I really, 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 really did, right? But the thing is, is you got to go back. And guess what? I don't know if you know this about family. Usually when I go back, they haven't changed. It's just gotten worse, right? They don't get better. They're just grumpier and older, right? They're on more meds. And so the thing is, is, is not can you be a blessing to them once? It's can you continue to be a blessing to them? Can you be a blessing to someone who is a continual problem. Maybe you work with somebody like this, right? Work people, right? Do work people ever get better? No, right? And you have to see them day after day after day, meeting after meeting after meeting. And the thing is, is that that person's not going away. That neighbor, that's not going away. Your spouse, until they leave you, they're not going away, right? So can you be a continual blessing to those who are a continual problem? Now, for, for those who aren't Christians, they go, no, I can't. So I'm done. That's why I cancel them. That's why I, I bury them. That's why I forget about them. That's why I go, I don't need this. But for Christians, our motivation is a little different. There's motivation for this. There, there's commands and instructions for why we should do this. Because if we don't, we're what? We're hypocrites. And the reason that Paul says this, if you want to find motivation for why you would live this way, we have to go back to what Paul said in verse 1 of this very chapter. This is what Paul says. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Think about that for just a minute. Paul says, I want to urge you, brothers and sisters, and notice again, he's writing to the ladies. In view of God's mercy, in view of who God has been to you, in light of what God has done for you, God is not asking for anything from you in return. All he is asking is that in the same way that Jesus offered up his body freely for you, you would offer yourself freely, not to God, but to others. That you would love others in the way that God has first loved you. That you would share the same mercy that God has first shared with you. The same grace that God first shared with you. That you would offer that to other people. And he says, this is true and proper worship. Wait a minute, I thought worship is what we just did when we sang three songs together. No, 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 no. That's worship, but true and proper worship. 
is when we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, when we choose to lay our life down for the life that God wants us to live. That is what is truly pleasing and honorable to God. So, we do it. But here's the thing, we do it. Not in view of what the person has done to me, but in view of what God has done for me. That is our motivation for why we do what we do. And then he goes on, and Paul goes on, and he says, and live, live in harmony with one another. You should live in harmony. Let me tell you something. Christians should be the most peaceful people on earth. I'm learning this. I'm trying to live this. I am focused on this in so many areas of my life. Christians should not be the pot stirrers. Okay? Christians should not be the ones to grab their pitchforks and daggers and flags. Christians should be the one that live in peace. Christians should be the first ones to say the prayer. Christians should be the first one to bow their heads. Christians should be the first one to say, let's calm things down. We should live in harmony and peace with everyone. With everyone, people who have different religion than us, different politics than us, different science than us. We should be people who live in harmony with one another. And I think Paul, Paul said the same thing to Ephesians, but he said it even better. He said this. He said, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love. See, here's the difference. And man, let me tell you something. If we got this down... Oh my goodness, the world would look at us like we were crazy. The world would look at us and go, y'all are the real deal. I couldn't do what you do. And it would be so supernatural, so crazy. It would be such a difference in the world that even if people didn't believe in God, they would want God to be real. Because they would notice the difference that it would make. Because in a world that says, if, care, if bearing with one another is a burden, bury them. We, we say as Christians that we bear with one another's burdens in love. And if we could get that down, if we could understand that, if we could live that out, it would make such a difference in the world. And the thing is, though, is that we look at everybody who's different than us, who has different politics than us, and has different religion than us, and different science than us, and we go, you guys are a bunch of idiots, right? I can't believe you believe that. I can't believe you would think that's true. Don't you know that that's not real? Don't you know that that's true? I can't, you guys are all so stupid, right? Every single one of you, that's the conversation you have with your wife and your kids. Honey, I just want you to know. Our family is the best family on the face of the planet. And everything that we do is right. And all those other people, they're stupid. Yeah, but my teacher told me, no, your teacher's stupid too. Yeah, but at my friend's house, no, they're an idiot. They don't know, right? But pastor said, that short man is out of his mind. He hasn't lived long enough to know. You don't listen to him either, all right? That's what we do. We turn to everybody. And we get so upset. We get so offended. We get so mad. And I heard such a great line when I was traveling for Thanksgiving. I was listening to somebody else's sermon on a podcast. And I heard such a good, good line. It was so amazing. And this is what it said. It said, don't be mad at a blind man for stepping on your toes. Oh, that's good. You need to write that down, right? Don't, you wouldn't be mad at a blind man for stepping on your toes, would you? I mean, if a blind man stepped on your toes, you'd go, hey, what are you, oh, you're blind, right? 
And the thing is, is that you've got to realize some of these people that you are in tension with, family, friends, neighbors, coworkers, you know what? Those people haven't lived your life. They haven't walked in your shoes. They haven't experienced what you've experienced. They didn't have the parents that you had parent you. They haven't lived long enough to know what you know. They, they haven't gone through all of these things. And so you know what? In many of these regards, these people are not stupid. They're just ignorant. And some of these situations, they just view the world differently than you do. Because they, they, they live in a different class. They, live, they grew up in a different part of the world. They come from a different culture. Their skin color is different than yours. They're a different age than you. And so you know what? We get mad and offended at all these people that, why? Why are you so mad and offended that people that just they haven't lived the life that you've lived? You're getting mad at a blind man for stepping on your toes. And that's ridiculous. That's stupid. Don't do that. And think about it for a minute. Think about if Jesus had treated us that way. <laughs> I mean, you think about it. Think if of, think of Jesus had the same attitude. If Jesus was so easily offended as we are today. And when he came down, he goes, oh my gosh, you guys are just so stupid. I mean, hundreds of years we've been going over this, generation after generation. Your grandpappy's stupid, your daddy's stupid, you're stupid. I mean, how many times do we have to go over this? We've paid you, put you guys in timeout so many times, and you just keep doing stupid things. You're just a moron, right? Think if Jesus had treated us that way, but he didn't, did he? He was so merciful. He was so gentle. He was so empathetic and sympathetic. He loved us, and he met us where we were at. Think about this. God came down, and he, gave, he allowed himself. He allowed himself to come down in human form. He lowered himself down to our level for us, and he worked with us where we were at. And he didn't just do it. He didn't just say, well, you got one try at this. No, he gave, he gave the disciples endless opportunities. So many times they messed him up to the point where even after three years of living life with them, when he was taken and crucified, they all abandoned him. And even when they all abandoned him, what happened? He rose from the grave, and what did he do? He came back after them. I mean, think about how many times Jesus in history just kept continually going after people out of love. And think about how many times in your life where you've turned your back on God and he's never given up on you. Why can you not do that for other people? You know why? Because you've got an agenda. Because you've got something you're fearful about. Something that you think if you lose or you let go of, you will not, you will lose the battle. And so you need to be right. But let me tell you something. Jesus didn't tell us to be right. He told us to love. As Christians, we are not called to be right. We are told to love. And then Paul continues the beating. <laughs> and he says in verse 16, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. And do not be conceited. Be honest with me. In your head, not out loud. That gets weird. Be honest with me. Isn't it true that you look down on the other side? Isn't it true that in private and in your heart, you look at the person who is opposed to what you are for, and you look down on them. In your head, or out loud even to some of your friends, you go, oh, white people. Oh, 
Republicans. Oh, liberals. Oh, vaccinated people. Oh, anti-vaxxers. Oh, people who think that Slim Chickens is better than Chick-fil-A. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Dummy Dummerson over here hasn't tasted chicken in his life, right? You look down on those people. You think of them as low position. But the thing is, is that we shouldn't because God didn't do that for you. Think about how much God loved you. God, God brought himself down to your level. But you, you, you think that you're, you're, you're better than the pre- people who believe differently than you, than think differently than you. And you know what? That is so arrogant of you. It's not loving. It's not merciful. And so the question is, is, in light of God's mercy for you, what do you think is required of you? In light of God's mercy for you, what do you think is required of you? And then Paul says in Romans, live at peace with everyone. Now, I'm going I'm to break this verse down because it says much more than that. But I'm going I'm I'm to kind of do this thing where I'm going to start at the end and then I'm going to reveal to you the beginning. Because if you just took that verse, if somebody was like, do you know what Romans 12, 18 says? Live at peace with everybody. You'd be like, oh, my goodness, that's so hard to do. Live at peace with everybody? Even the, even the Democrats, even the Republicans, even the white people, even the anti-vaxxers, even, though the, even the vaccinated, even the people who think that Starbucks is better than Folters, even those people? Yes, everyone. Live at peace with everyone. But he goes on, and he says this before. As far as it depends on you, ugh, that's even worse. Because you know what he's saying? He's, he's saying, I don't care what the other people are doing. Yeah, but they, yeah, but they, yeah, but they keep, no, 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 we're not talking about them. This is not about them, okay? This is between you and God. We're talking about your soul right now, okay? As far as it depends on you, you need to do your part. Forget what they're doing. You need to do your part. You need to go as far as you can. That is what rests on your shoulders. That is what is up to you. To go as far as it depends on you. Let me ask you a scary, scary question, okay? And this is just me just wandering. I don't know how, you know, Jesus said the gate's going to be narrow. I don't know how narrow the gate's going to be. But what if, what if, think about this. What if we were judged by God by how far we were willing to be a continual blessing to those who are a continual burden to us? Oh, wouldn't that be scary? <laughs> Woo! Would you pass that test? How are you doing at that? What if? Again, I don't know how narrow the gate's going to be, but what if? What if we were judged by God by how far we were willing to be a continual blessing to those who were a continual burden to us? But luckily, it's not the end of the verse, because the whole verse is this. If it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Here's, here's the good news I want to give you. It is, it is your calling, it is your responsibility as Christians to l- do your best, as far as it depends on you, to live at peace with everybody. But Paul is such a good, he's such a practical, such a, such a, such a realist. He says, if it is possible, which Paul is telling us, hey, you know what, it may not be. Okay, It may not be possible. 
And we all know there are some of those toxic people that as much as we try, it's just not going to get any better. It's only going to get worse. They're always there. They, they choose to constantly be offended. They live offended. And you know what Paul says? Paul goes, you're going to run into those people. And I want you to know that is not on you. That is on them. But as far as it depends on you, you need to do everything in your power to live at peace with everyone. Here's the thing, is that every single one of us are called to live this wonderful, full life. Jesus said, I came to give you life so you can live it to the full. And the thing is, is when you choose to live offended, you shorten the fullness of that life. You take away some of the joy of the life that Jesus came to give you. And here's the thing I want you to hear. Your life is too short and your calling is too big to be offended by something so small. When you choose to live offended, it shortens, it dampens, it lessens the quality of your life and the life of the people around you. Because let me tell you, it, your, your spouse can't tell you this, but I'm your pastor, I can tell you this. It gets real old. It gets old hearing you gripe all the time. It does. It, it, the, kids, the kids are really tired of hearing it, okay? And, and, and your kids, they do not want to go to grandma and pappy's house, okay? And hear you guys argue about politics, religion, and science. It gets old for them too. So stop dampening the Christmas spirit, okay? Stop dampening the joy that God wants to give us. Your life is too short, and your calling is, is way too big to be offended by things that are so, so small. So I want you to practice something this Christmas season. This Christmas season, I want you to embrace your frozen spirit and let it go. Let it go, okay? As you're traveling this Christmas season, just play it. I don't know the song. But anyway, let it go. Let it go, right? And so here's the thing, all right? When you're there, when you're there for the holidays, right, and you just know, you just know you're going to show up and your Aunt Karen is going to be wearing her Let's Go Brandon shirt, right? And Uncle Jerry is going to be wearing his My Body, My Choice, which, you know, by the way, Uncle Jerry, you're going to have to clarify, is he talking about abortion or vaccination? You don't know. But you're going to walk in there and Uncle Jerry's going to be wearing his shirt. See what I did there? Side lesson, right? Uh, you're going to walk in there. Here's what I want you to say. I want you to say, I'm over it. Repeat it after me. Ready? Ready? One, two, three. I'm over it. Okay? When you are dealing with your ex, right, and you talk to your ex, what are you going to get the kids for Christmas? And your ex is going bananas, right? Like she's going to outbuy you for Christmas by threefold. She's buying them an Xbox, a PS5, and a brand new iPad, right? And you're like, my gosh, this woman is driving me insane, right? Why did I do this when I did this? I have no idea, right? When that is happening and you're, you're, you're bashing with your ex, right, and you're fighting over the kids during the holidays, I want you to say it. I'm over it. Yeah, we're going to practice it, okay? You're getting there, all right? I'm over it, right? When you're there, man, when you're there and your Aunt Jeannie brings up your past sermon series and wants to debate a new covenant versus old covenant religion with you. Michael, you're going to say, tell it to me. I'm over it. You were much louder when it was about me than it was about you. It's kind of weird. Because here's the thing. Here's why I want you to embrace this and why I want you to practice this this holiday season. 
the faster that you are over it, the sooner you can live your life to the fullest. The faster that you are over it, the sooner you can live your life to the fullest. And that is my prayer for you this holiday season. Because I know that tensions are high. And I know it's hard during this time to be at peace with others. Because for some of you, there's not peace inside of you. But my hope that be, would be that you would focus, you would fix your mind on God. And find inner peace through God for yourself. But as you deal with other people and those tensions rise, remember that your life is too short and your calling is too big for you to be offended by something so small. So you will be offended, but choose not to live offended. Choose instead to move past it. Choose instead to say, I'm over it. So that God can give you the Christmas that he wants to give you this year. Let me pray for you this morning. Father God, we thank you so much this morning for your peace. We thank you so much for what you want to do in our life. God, I, each of us, we can look inside of ourselves and probably find a person that we are not at peace with, that we are in tension with. God, that person that I'm in tension with, that person who I have to go and see, that person that I have to sit with this Christmas, God, we are all so easily offended. Would you help me, Lord, to not live offended? Would you help me, Lord, to not remain hurt, bitter, angry, judgmental? Would you help me in the middle of my offense to not use it to sin against someone else that you love, that you sent your son to die for as much as you sent your son to die for me? Would you help me to be like Jesus? Not because they deserve it or they've earned it, but because of what you have done for me and because of what you have done in my life. May I live this out. Because living a life of canceling people, burying people, being done.